standing on the platform of truth. Pioneer Health and Missions. I uh, would like personally to thank our own father and his own son to bring us, my wife and I, and give us trouble and mercy here to deliver the message that he gave me uh, for today. Uh, it's a beautiful sunshiny day. We woke up a little bit earlier to be on time this time today. I don't like rushing. And I was able to add a little bit more on the message this morning that we're going to deliver, that the Lord is going to deliver through me. And I'm sure there was things missing, so uh, I praise God for him. And uh, the Lord here our prayers, amen? He's very loving, he's very kind, and, and uh, you know, sometimes I'm thinking that, like this morning I was sharing with my wife and with our brother here, I said, how can I get this message together? Who am I? He has a way to put everything together, it's just amazing, you know, it's even at the last minute last night. So I praise God for him. Okay. So before we start the message, I'm going to kneel again and pray. If you could please join me. Gracious Father, thank you once again for uh, giving, us, giving me and giving us this opportunity to be able to read your holy word through your son Jesus. And for the message uh, you gave me, how you're going to deliver to us through me, Lord. Um, Lord, I have unclean lips. I pray you will clean my unclean lips. And you will remove all the things that I have in my head, but only having you in your spirit. Um, Lord, we thank you for today, for this Sabbath day, that we can rejoice and think of you and your son, and for this wonderful gift that you, have, you gave us for eternal life. Lord, we don't deserve it, I don't deserve it, but through the shedding of the blood of your son, we can have eternal life. So I pray that uh, you will bless us with the message today and not only to keep it for ourselves, but also to reach out others for the good news. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. I don't know if you do remember, but um, the last three months we spoke about the book of John. It is my favorite book. I love it. And especially, it's my favorite book since I've learned for the past two years the truth about the Father and His Son. It gave me more excitement, so I was able to see each chapter different from the way I used to read it before. And today, we're going to start John chapter 15. Aren't you excited? Yeah. I might. I am too. Now, for the past few months, as I said, we spoke about chapter, 40, chapter 14. What is chapter 14 all about? Jesus tells his disciples that he is living and he's coming back again. Amen? Isn't it good news? Now, what is chapter 16 all about, even though we haven't been there yet? Jesus is talking about the comforter. He's talking about the spirit of truth. And chapter 14 talks also about the comforter and the spirit of truth. So now, what is between chapter 14 and chapter 16? Amen. Chapter 15. And what is the chapter 15 all about? 
It is Jesus explaining who the Comforter is, and he is coming to them and to us. Now, before we start a few verses in chapter 15, I would like to refresh our mind and to go back to John chapter 14, and we're going to read from verse 20 onward. John chapter 14, verse actually 19 said, A little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. You will live also. Verse 20. On that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. He who has my commandment and keeps them, it is he who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Verse 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my father will love him, and we will come unto him, father and son, and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my word, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. These things are spoken to you while being present with you, physically. But the Helper, who is the Holy, who the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I say to you. Peace I live with you, peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you love me, you would, you would rejoice because I said, I am going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. Verse 29, and now I have told you before it comes that when it comes, that it does come to pass, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming and has nothing in me. But that the world may know that I love the Father and as the Father gave me commandments, so I do. Arise, let us go from here. I don't know if you remember the last time we came here uh, when we spoke about this, those verses. We stopped a little bit longer than others when in John chapter 14 and verse 28 actually. It says, you have heard me saying to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I say, I am going to the Father for my Father is greater than I. We talked about what does Jesus meant when he says, for my father is greater than I. Jesus is using the Greek word mason, means older. And we spoke last time that, so Jesus said to recap John fourteen twenty eight. Jesus says, my father is older than me, therefore I respect him as the greater. I am the son and he is the father. I love him, I respect him, I do what he says. 
I always do things that please Him. This is one thing I would love to do every day. I love my Father, and I always, I always want to do the things that He wants me to do. And it pleases me. Amen? So, to recap a little bit of John 14, um, I would like to share a quotation that the Lord gave me, and I never read that before. Um, I don't know if some of you heard my testimony before, but I think it was nine, ten years ago, uh, my church, my local church in Pacific Grove sent me to uh, AFCO, the uh, Amazing Facts Center of Evangelism for four months, knew nothing about the Lord. And um, one of the books where we were actually really studying very hard was, uh, deeply, was Evangelism, book Evangelism. I had no idea, so I was just following the, what they just told me to, to study. Um, of course, I believed in the Trinity before, and this book really reinforced my belief in that doctrine. However, now, because I became more non-Trinitarian than anything else, um, I, I, I started to do some research uh, to learn more about the truth. And uh, the Lord actually showed me a quotation that some of you may know, but I never knew, I never seen it before. And actually, he took in, uh, and I think those quotations actually will really recap what we spoke about, uh, what John chapter 14 is talking about. And it's a book of evangelism, chapter, um, sorry, page 615, paragraph 2, when it says, Christ is the pre-existent, self-existent Son of God. Ellipsis. In speaking of his pre-existence, Christ carries the mind back through dateless ages. He assures us that there were never was a time when he was not in close fellowship with the eternal God. He too, whose voice the Jews were then listening, had been with God, with one brought up with him. For me, this quotation, for me, it was clear, it was simple, and I said, okay, I understand. However, when the Lord showed me clearly, uh, and I was actually helped me to find uh, the real quotation, the original one, with the things that's been removed, now I'm like, whoa, that's a different meaning here. So now let me read you the whole quotation without the, you know, with the leftover being put it back in the text, okay? So, um, let me see here. So it says, Christ is a pre-existent, self-existent Son of God. Now, listen to this. The message he gave to Moses to give to the children of Israel was, Thus shall you say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. The prophet Machai writes to, of him, But you, Bethlehem Ephratat, Though you, you, thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto thee, that is to be ruler over Israel, whose coming forth has been from of old, from everlasting. Has it changed a little bit now? Listen to this afterward. Actually, I just want to let you know the word everlasting has been used twice by Sister White, as far as I know. Everlasting doesn't mean no beginning. doesn't mean whatever we think of. Everlasting actually means, if I may, and correct me if I'm wrong, past, present, and future. That's all it means. So now, and that's from Sons of the Time, August 29, 1900, part 13. Now, she continues. Through Solomon, Christ declare. The Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way, before his works of old. I was set up, Christ speaking, I was set up from everlasting from the beginning, or ever the earth was. When there were no depth, I was brought forth. When there were no fountain abounding with the water. Before the mountain was settled, were settled. Before the hill was I brought forth. 
when he gave to the sea of his decree that he, the waters should not pass his commandments, when he appointed the fountains, the foundation of the earth, then I was by him as one brought up with him, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. Sons of the Time, August 29th, 1900, part 4. Isn't it amazing? In speaking of his pre-existence, Christ carried the mind back through deathless ages. He assures us that there were, never was a time that he was not close in a relationship fellowship with the eternal God, the Father. He too, whose voice the Jews were then listening, had been with God as one brought up with him. Isn't it amazing? See the text, the way it changed now? I think it's beautiful. So anyway, I just wanted to share that with you um, because it really reinforce and summarize chapter 14. Now, let's go back to uh, John chapter 14 and we're going to read onward to, uh, from verse 29. So John chapter 14 and verse 21 says, And now I have told you before it comes that when it comes to pass, you may believe. Did you know that Jesus actually spoke to us that verse? In, let, let me see here. John chapter 13 John chapter 13, verse 20, John chapter 13, verse 18, 19, and 20 says, I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it comes, that when it comes, and when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Most assuredly, I said unto you, he who receives whom whoever I send receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. It's amazing. And Jesus repeats actually twice what he says. Same word. So basically, I believe that even though Jesus actually identified his betrayer, we see all over the wonderful loving relationship between the Father and the Son. He wants his disciple, he wants us, to believe the truth and to have the same loving relationship with him and with the Father. Amen? Now, let's go back to uh, John chapter 14. We're going to read onward from verse 30 to 21. To 31, excuse me. John chapter 14, verse 30 and 31 says, Jesus speaking, I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming and has nothing in me but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandments, so I do. Arise, let us go from here. And at that moment, for a little while, Jesus stopped talking to his disciples. These are ages tells us that, and they went for a walk. They were on the way to Gethsemane, the moon was out. They were walking and Jesus got very quiet suddenly. Such as, never been, that such as they had never seen him like this before. He was morose and upset. He could hardly walk. And they were asking, what's going on with him? Let us see what's going on here. Then we move forward. John chapter 4, 15 verse 1. Jesus says, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Did you hear what Jesus said? Verse 1. What did you say? I am the true vine. 
Who's the true vine in the Bible? Israel. In the Old Testament, the vine is a common symbol for the people of Israel. Unfortunately, when Israel is described as a vine, it is not a positive <coughs> image. Rather than a unhealthy vine bearing fruit, Israel is portrayed as a wild and corrupt wine incapable of bearing fruit and in danger of God's judgment. That's from the Old Testament. For example, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 5, from verse 4 to 6, it says, What more could I have done for my vineyard that I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Now I will tell you that I am going to do to my vineyard. I will take away its age and it will be destroyed. I will break down its wall and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated, and berries and thorns will grow there. I will command the clouds not to rain on it. Surely, Israel is described as yielding bad fruits, but it has not always been that way. Psalms chapter uh, 80 describes how God transferred the vine of Israel from Egypt into the promised land when it flourished. However, Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 31 describes that the, plant, the planted vine of Israel became corrupt. It's in Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 21 it says, I have planted you like a choice vine of sound and reliable stock. How then did you turn against me into a corrupt wild vine? And you're going to see why I say that. Given this Old Testament backdrop, Jesus claimed to be the true vine has profound meaning. Remember, Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 5, I am the true vine. Jesus is the one to whom Israel pointed, the vine that would actually bring forth good fruit. Where Israel fell, Jesus succeeded. As Isaiah chapter 5, verse 7 indicates, Israel fell with bloodshed rather than justice and cries of distress rather than righteousness. But Jesus shed his blood to satisfy the justice of God and cried out in distress on the cross as the righteous one suffered for the unrighteous. Amazing, huh? So John chapter 15 verse 1. I'm going to break it down a little bit here. Jesus once again says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. So when Jesus says, I am the true vine, what did he mean? Jesus himself from his own lips says, I am the true vine. Well, how about, I am the truth? How about, I am the spirit of truth? And listen to this. And my father planted me which means he came from the Father. Listen to this. And my Father planted me. I think it's so beautiful. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 1 and 2 says, Let me sing for my beloved a love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a fertile hill. He dodged it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choices vine. Isn't it beautiful? 
So Jesus tells us, not only, it's not only a story, it's the truth. I am the true vine, and my Father planted me. John chapter 15, verse 1. Once again, I don't believe that Jesus is actually telling us just a real story. He's telling us the truth in the way for us to be able to understand. The problem is, we as a whole, as a church, we have not comprehended it yet. I am the truth and my Father planted me. John chapter 15 verse 2 says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Is that possible for Christians to bear no fruits? Yeah. What's happened? He prunes them. Maybe some of us have the idea that it is just enough to have faith to gain eternal life. That was my belief before. But the scripture says something different. We need to bear fruit. No fruit, the father takes it away. Gone. He prunes it. Why is he going to prune it? So we can have more fruit. Some good fruit. John chapter 15 verse 3 says, You are already made clean by the word which I have spoken unto you. Let me read this again. This is very profound. John chapter 15 verse 3. You are already made clean by the word which I have spoken unto you. The word. Did you hear what he said? The word. Jesus is the word. Amen? Jesus is the Logos. And he has given us the word that is coming from his father, our father. Jesus is the Logos. Another deficient for Logos, wisdom. Jesus says, you are clean by the word. How do I get, how do I get clean through the word? Jesus says, the word is the seed. Where do we find this quotation? Luke chapter 8, verse 11, the parable of the sower. Now, the parable is this. The word is the seed. What is a seed for? You plant a seed. You put the seed in the ground. And if it is an apple seed, what's going to come out? A pear? No. An apple tree. This is called the law of germination. And Jesus says, I have given you the seed, the word of God. And there is one thing that can only come out of it. If the word of God is in you, what comes out? Good fruit. John 15 verse 4. Abide in a third person. No. Abide in me. No one else. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless it abides in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him bear much fruits. Did Jesus say something on a special occasion? No. Jesus tells us that if you are in me and I in you, there will be fruits. For without me, ye can do nothing. 
That reminds me of one of the scripture when it says, I can do all things through Jesus Christ who give me strength. Amen? Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. So now, which side you want to be? Without me, you can do nothing, and you're left on the side, bearing no fruits. Or with me, you can do all things, bearing good fruits. These are pages, page 676. Abiding in Christ means a constant receiving of His Spirit. A life on unreserved surrender of His service. The channel of communication must be open continually between man and his God. As the vine branch constantly draws the sap from the living vine, so are we to climb to Jesus and receive from Him by faith the strength and perfection of His own character. Beautiful, huh? John chapter 15, verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done unto you. Abide in me. In me. Bible Commentary, Volume 5, page 1142, Part 10. This doesn't mean that those who are really in Christ does not bear any fruits. God has purchased us through Christ, that He might be a sacrifice for our sins. We are within, we are within the bounds of His mercy, for in mercy His arm encircled the whole human race. Since Christ has paid the price of all service that we should give Him, we are His servant by purchase. Although we are in Christ Jesus by His covenant of promise, yet if we stand in a position of perfect indifference without acknowledging Him as our Savior, we bear no fruits. If by failing to be a partaker of His divine nature we bear no fruits, we are taken away. Worldly influences takes us away from Christ, and our portion is the same as that the of the unfruitful branch. Every branch in me that bears no fruit, he takes away. It reminds me of all those verses when I was finalizing the message last night. It says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, 16, it says, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For that all that are in the world, the loss of the, the loss of the flesh, the loss of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. I do not believe that being involved in politics is what the Lord wants us to. Now listen to this. I didn't know that. The definition of politics. The activity associated with the governance of a country or other area, especially the debates or conflict among individuals or parties having or hoping to achieve power. Isn't it interesting? That reminds me of another verse in the Bible in Revelation chapter 12, verse 7, when it says, and war. Do you know what the word, the Greek word war means? Polemos. Politics. Polemox, does it ring the bell? So, and polemos, and politics, arguments, debate, or conflict, walk in heaven. And Michael and his angel fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angel fought. Isn't it interesting? Someone wanted to win an argument against Christ. 
And I wonder who it was. Did someone says in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12 and 14, says, I want to be worshipped, I want to be like the Most High? Worldly influences take us away from Christ. And our portion is the same as those unfruitful branches. How can we love the world of politics and other things and to love Jesus? These things we do not gather together. They don't go together. We are Christ's property. We are brought at a price. Identity with Christ needed. The branches in the true vine are the believers who are brought into oneness by connection with the vine. Did you hear that? It's not only by faith. It's by connection. We need to be completely connection with Christ. Beautiful, huh? The branches and the vines are the believers who are brought in oneness by connection with the vine. Connection. Connection. Sons and daughters of God, page 291. Fiber by fiber, vein by vein, souls enjoying to souls with Christ. This is how we should be, I should be connected with Christ all day long. This is connection through faith. Though the things that they are going to heaven by faith only will have a surprise. Because faith is not our savior. Christ is our savior. Now, talking about this, Spirit of Prophecy points out all about that there are a lot of branches coming out of their vines, but the branches do not attach to each other. Is that true? They all have their own attachment to the vines. And it takes all of those branches. Now, you know we're talking about vine and branches. Can we compare the branches with diversity? To make that bush, that plant, each connected from the vine as each branches have their own length, heights, weights, and sizes. We will have a different background and education, different, loving, different level of loving, and so on. And the things of Christianity is to get the spirit of Jesus and not someone else's spirit. So we can all be together. All different, but together. So now my question is, how can we make it possible? How? One source. Who is that one source? He is the Father. He is the source. His love, his purpose, his character is in Jesus. And when we get in Jesus, we get all of that from the Father. So we are all the same from the source. But we are different in our personalities. But if we really are all hooked in from the same place, we will all love each other anyhow. John chapter 14 verse 1. And if, uh, verse 1 and 2. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that the way I am there you may also be. Jesus went back to the Father and he's coming back again. Do you believe that? Amen? Amen? And he's asking us to do his work. And there's only one way. So to summarize, so we started in John chapter 14 and starting, well, finishing chapter 14 and verse, beginning chapter 15. 
Jesus could say, paraphrasing, I send you another dose of me, another comforter, the same kind of, in the spirit, to be inside of you, inside of that where you can look at me from the inside out. Not physically, but physically, but spiritually. Amen? Thank you. Standing on the Platform of Truth Pioneer Health and Missions <laughs>